time loving each other. Hey, we, uh, <clears throat> we're really excited this morning. We're going to do something a little uh, different this morning. And we're going to still be in the uh, Gospel of John, chapter 15, uh, starting in verse 12. So get your Bibles there if you're not turned there. But here's what we're going to do. Many of you know uh, that we had a team that went out from this church and, and a couple other churches and went to India. And you guys prayed over them. You uh, sent them financially. Uh, and they have returned uh, alive. And uh, we're happy for that. <clears throat> they are transformed, as you can see in their uh, Indian garb, new creations in Christ. And um, <laughs> what was that? Yes, thank you. And they own 7-Elevens down the street now. Oh, I'm going to get phone calls, I know. Um, yes, yes. But God did a great work uh, through them, and uh, they showed up. They uh, let the Spirit uh, just minister through them, and, and some wonderful things happened there. And so this morning, we're going to we're going to teach the passage uh, through the lens of this trip to India, and we hope it'll uh, just bless you. We hope you'll be encouraged in who God is. And uh, Melody, would you uh, share with us the scripture? John fifteen twelve through seventeen. This is my commandment that you love one other, one another, just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit, and that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of the father in my name, he may give to you. This, is, this I command you, that you love one another. Amen. Thank you. Jesus has been spending time with his disciples in the upper room, and then they left the upper room and started this journey towards Gethsemane, a time when Jesus would be crying out for Israel, a time when Jesus says, will you take this cup from me, Lord? Getting ready to pay the price on the cross for us. And as he taught last week, we saw that Jesus is reminding his disciples that I want you to remain in the vine, and that that is where you have your life. That is where your sustenance comes in, that you remain in me. And then out of that remaining, that I desire that you bear much fruit. And that the bearing of much fruit, which is love, the character of Jesus Christ in your lives, that as you bear much fruit, that that brings glory to the Father. And that as you bear much fruit, that your joy may be made complete. And so this team from India went out to go try and love. And that's the command of Jesus from that point. He says, I want you to bear fruit. Now this commandment I give unto you. Go out and love one another. Keep on loving one another. And it's not a suggestion. It's a command of this is how I want you to have life. And I want you to go and do this and be love and represent me, reflect me in your life. And he doesn't just send us out there and say, good luck. Go love each other. Hope it works out. 
Do you remember? I leave with you another. He will come and he will take up residence in you and he will bring life forth through you and therefore you are able to love. And again, this command, because the truth is we often just don't even like each other sometimes. Isn't that true? He says it's not about your warm, fuzzy feelings. It's not about if I feel like it. It's I want you to do it because that is who I am. I am love. And I've sent my spirit into you that you might be able to. And that you might be able to experience who I am in Christ. No greater love has one than this, that he lay down his life for another. Jesus Christ saying that, as we know, ready to go to the cross. And that he lays down his life for them. What does that mean for you and me? That I would lay down my life. Obviously, it could go to the full extent of death for one of our friends. But we only get one time at that. How about just daily living? Daily living is that I go out of my way. I self-sacrifice. It's this agape love. Again, not love based on how I'm feeling that day. It's when I get a phone call on a weekend. I finally have a day off. And yet, a brother or sister's in need. And I really, really don't want to go because I want my time. He's saying, will you give up of yourself? Will you lay yourself aside that you might go love, be the hands and feet and the hug of me? And it's difficult to love that way. We know that. My sister Ellen, who was part of this trip, and she manages uh, the Redmark Ministry, their band, um, she wants to share what it was like for her to lay her, her life aside. Ellen, come on up. So I got chosen to talk about this part because I had a really difficult time in going to India. Um, it was difficult not, I mean, there was, you know, issues with the germs and the, you know, the whole, you know, food issues and things like that that were scary. But for me, honestly, the, um, the thing that terrified me to the very core of my being was that we were going with other Christians. And I had recently had some... Um, bad experiences with other Christians and was having a really hard time worrying about, you know, um, being misjudged or being misunderstood and really was scared of this. And I had a little bit of security because I was going with my friends here and I was going with people that I had worked with and that I knew. But um, unfortunately, two weeks before we had to take off on an airplane, um, we had a big, huge band fight, and it was me on one side and them on the other side. And so my security, the little bit, tiny, small, little, insy bit of security that I had was, like, ripped away from me. And I said two weeks before we were supposed to be going to India, and I'm on the phone with Mike going, I have no idea how I'm going to get on this airplane and spend two weeks with these people. I have no idea how I'm going to do it. And, um, and I was you know, hurt and very, um, you know, a little bit like I had to put my pride down um, because I just felt like I needed to do that and God gave me the strength to do that and I went to these guys and we had it out and we worked it out and on the other side of that, I actually ended up feeling more secure in it and knowing that even if everybody hated me in India, um, that these guys would love me and that, you know, I had some, I could rest in that. 
and that our friendships actually ended up being stronger because of that. And I learned a lesson through that little thing. <clears throat> when we went to India, um, two days after arrival, I had a, a gracefully acrobatic dismount from a bus <laughs> that um, rendered me with a gigantic, um, you know, grapefruit-sized ankle and um, that was bright, bright purple. I had um, sprained my ankle and uh, was uh, stuck at the hotel. So I'm like, hey, God, what's up? You sent me all the way to India to let me sit in my hotel. This is great. Because I couldn't walk, and they didn't have canes, and they didn't have crutches, and nobody could help me. So, so I was really frustrated, and I was like, man, I wanted to you know, come and serve, and this is frustrating for me. And I could have just been, you know, whatever. I could have just said, hey, you know, I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to watch some cricket on the TV, or... Um, you know, whatever. But I chose to go out and just interact with people in the hotel because, um, you know, I was bored and didn't want to watch cricket on TV. So um, I went out and I started hanging out in the restaurant and I spent all day in the restaurant and I spent half the day at the pool and I spent part of the day talking to people at the counter and um, ended up getting to have some really <coughs> cool opportunity just to love on these people that were there in the restaurant. And um, there was a waiter there who two days earlier had become a Christian and um, left his, his life as a Hindu to follow Jesus. And I got to spend some time talking with him and just encouraging him. And these were things that had I, number one, not sprained my ankle and been stuck in the hotel, I wouldn't have gotten to do. And number two, if I had not looked at that situation and went, okay, this is another opportunity where God can can use me, you know, even though I'm stuck at the hotel, um, I could have, you know, I'm hurt, and this is a time when I can be poor me and, you know, sit in my hotel room, but um, instead I chose to step out, and God honored that and used that and blessed me through it, because at the end of the trip, um, when we were, like, checking out and everything, the head waiter came out of the restaurant and got me to take me into the restaurant to be like, everybody wants to say goodbye, so I got to say goodbye to all my little waiter buddies, and... So um, basically the point I'm wanting to make is just um, through this verse, you know, dying, you know, you can say, hey, I'd walk through fire for my buddy here, but you're probably not going to have to do that. But it felt, it can feel like dying to put yourself aside. It felt like dying for me to step into the meeting that I had to have with these guys to, um, you know, face the fire of of the hard thing that we were dealing with. And it was hard for me to walk down the stairs and just be totally alone in this world of, of Indian people. <laughs> and um, it was very difficult, but God can bless that. And um, so I want to challenge you guys just to look for those opportunities. And then just also to um, look for the places where God is wanting to redeem the icky in your life. Um, because he wants to. He's seeking that. He wants to show you, you know, the good things that he can create out of the bad things that exist in this world. So. Yeah, wonderful. <coughs> Thanks, Ellen. Yeah, and this band has really, you know, really learned to love each other well, and it's a joy to watch. Uh, it's hard to be with each other all the time. It just is. We're, we're, we're a total mess, you know, and to try to be in the same community all the time is a challenge, and that's why it is. It's laying down our lives, saying, I consider you more than me. It's not my time. It's God's purpose for my life that I would be bearing fruit, the character of Christ, and that I would see Christ actually work through me, transform me, 
He dwells within us. We are, again, new creations in Christ. We can have the life of him even when we don't want it. And we just go, oh, I just want to be in my little hole and I want to pout and I want to do my own deal. And allowing Christ to work in the middle of that. He goes on and he says this, You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. Does this blow you away as much as it does me? You are my friends, the God of the universe, the God who knit us together, the God who created all around us, steps into our lives and says, you are my friends. You are the ones I love. You're the ones I want to spend time with. What does friendship look like for us? You know, I think when I think of friendship, I think of always sharing these wonderful things about life with someone close to me. I remember when I was falling in love with Kina at Westmont College and my, my good friend Eric was there. And, and about three months into the relationship with Kina, I just knew. I just knew she was the one. And so I, you know, Eric and I went out. I'm like, man, this is the girl that God has given to me. And it was great to share that life together. And then after we graduated college, we, we drove across the United States for a year. We just went and visited people. Kina was still in college. And in Boston picked up the ring for Kina there. Got to share that with my buddy. Got engaged in in Massachusetts. He was right there. Not that moment, but he was there with us. (laughs) And afterwards, we actually went out and celebrated together. Sharing life. Do you understand? Jesus says that's who you are with him. Our identity in Christ is we are his friends. He wants us to be involved in his kingdom work. He doesn't just say, go do this. Do you understand? He says, you're my friend if you obey my commands. You're my friend if you live out what I have for you. Hasn't the scriptures taught us that? If you love me, you obey my commands. Again, it's not this rigid set of rules. It's this relationship. If you love me, you'll desire to live out what I have for you because it's life. Here is life. Here is death. I want you to have this. I want you to have abundant fruit that your joy is made complete. And so, my dear friends... Will you step into life with me? I don't call you servant anymore. We are followers of Jesus, aren't we? We're disciples of Jesus Christ. But he says, oh, we're so much more than that. We get to enter into relationship. Now, here's what's wonderful about that. You see, most of the world has this image of God as, again, this distant God, has an image of God who just comes down and and points fingers and just as against us. And the deal is, is that God comes in and he makes this connection with us. Do you know over in India, this is what they do. They have millions of gods, by the way, millions. And then they, they have this fear of evil spirits. So they'll take gourds and they'll paint these images on the gourds and they'll put them out front of the house so that evil spirits won't come in. They live in fear. And so Christ says, I want you to go and bear fruit. Christ says, I want you to bear testimony about me. That means we actually go out and live out the life of Christ. And all of a sudden, people see the friendship we have with Jesus. Do you understand that? It's the friendship we have, and they go, 
I've lived in fear, or I've lived in, I've lived in fear of dying because am, that's where I'm going. Am I going straight to hell with God against me? His wrath has come upon me. And Jesus is saying, will you be my friend? Will you be my friend? That we might have life together. Follow me into good life. And so this group went, bearing the life of Jesus, the friendship into a world that lives in fear. And we just want to show you the, the contact, the people they came into life with as they share this uh, song and this show. So one of the things that we did while we were there is in the evening we would play at these festivals and it would draw literally hundreds and thousands of people. Um, it'll get up there in a bit. But anyways, uh, we noticed shortly after about two nights that you know, people would come, but then they would just you know, stare at us because, one, we're Americans and completely different color than them, but we're playing this music in a language they couldn't understand. So on the uh, bus rides home, we would sit down with the interpreter and try to, try to learn some of the, the language, and, and we actually took one of the songs um, that we did which was Hallelujah, Your Love Makes Me Sing, which I know most of us here know. And we tried to learn the chorus because it's fairly simple. Um, it's just Hallelujah, 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 Your Love Makes Me Sing. And we wanted to learn that in Tamil, which was their, their native language, so that they could sing and learn that with us and know um, you know, what we were singing, why we were singing it. So we did the, in, the, the translation, which was Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Jesus Makes Me Sing, because as Rod mentioned, there's so many gods over there, we wanted to make sure that they knew that we were singing to Jesus. So the translation on this chorus is hallelujah, hallelujah, yesu yenai, paravakiar, and that's what we sing. I'll share that with you. Your love is amazing, steady and unchanging. Your love is a mountain firm beneath my feet. Your love is a mystery, how you gently lift me When I am surrounded, your love carries me Hallelujah, hallelujah Hallelujah, hallelujah Love is surprising, I can feel it rising, all the joy that's growing deep inside of me. And every time I see you, all your goodness shines through, I can feel this God song rising up in me. Hallelujah.
And let me tell you what, after we did that, <laughs> they learned it in just a flash and singing like I've never seen anybody sing before in my life. They were absolutely incredible people. Mm. Amen. Thank you, brother. <clears throat> As Jesus' friends, he says, Come, ask anything in my name, because you desire the heart of God. This life of prayer in Christ. Come and ask, and I will respond. Over and over in this upper room discourse, we see Jesus calling, Come to me, ask in my name. Mike is going to share with us a little bit about how God responded to prayer and what their life of prayer was like in India. So when uh, Rod asked us to do this and he said, uh, you know, give you five minutes to talk, he said, anybody who knows me knows that if you ask me what time it is, it takes me seven minutes. So it went better last service, a joke. <laughs> but anyway... Uh, <laughs> But then, of course, I started thinking, but, you know, this is a Rod Ritchie service, so we can go over anyway. But, um, okay, thank you. There we go. All right. So, <laughs> I love you, Rod. I really do. Yeah. Um, we did a lot of preparation and so forth, uh, a lot of prayer before we went. Uh, we talked with people who had been there. They were giving us <coughs> advice of what was going to happen. Uh, we knew that there were going to be people there that were going to want us to pray for them. And uh, there was just so many things that took place while we were there, lots of... Uh, Lots of uh, answer to prayer that, uh, you know, th that God does listen to us. Um, he does answer prayer in his own time. But we saw so many things, and there were so many things that I noticed after we even got back that I thought about that started saying, you know, that was something that I, I kind of took for granted, but that was God answering our prayer. Um, we had, you know, people who were having trouble with the food a little bit, but uh, uh, usually, you know, God came through and um, things went, went well. <laughs> And, um, you know, we could have been laid up a whole lot longer. We had people who cut their hands, and we had lots of different things going on. That uh, We're in a country that there was a lot of diseases and things, and uh, we just prayed a whole lot about everything that happened. You know, we prayed for the sound systems. We prayed for the band to get along. We prayed for Ellen's ankle, or we refer to it as a cankle because it was kind of her calf and ankle. But, um, but just everything was just going so well, and uh, God was answering prayer. I want to tell you about a gentleman named Christian Holtz. Christian was one of the pastors that we actually were with the first week. We were there for the two weeks there, but he was kind of leading the first week there. And um, he's a gentleman that's a youth pastor and just does really, really, really well with kids. And when we were at the schools, he would just do some, some amazing things, and we learned lots of kids' songs, and uh, just the kids really liked him. But during the evenings, he was doing the festivals, and he was speaking to these people, and uh, it almost kind of seemed like he went out of his realm a little bit because he was speaking, you know, kind of low and so forth. But every time the interpreter would interpret things, uh, you'd say something like, you know, and Jesus loves you, and the interpreter would go, blah, 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 blah. and about three minutes later, he'd stop, and he'd start thinking, is that what I said? You know, I said three words, and they said three paragraphs. But, um, but it was just interesting. And uh, the whole thing is that, you know, we were so lucky, and so not lucky, but we were just we were blessed that we had interpreters there because we were there to spread the word. And the sound system was just good and loud, so everybody can hear it, whether they were sitting there or outside in the country where people were. Um, there were fences along there, and people were hearing the word. And that's what we wanted, and that's what we prayed about, and that people came. And they came in by hundreds and thousands, and a lot of people did convert to Christ. There was a few wow. prayers. Uh, I mentioned earlier that we would stand uh, after the festival, stand there, and people would come and ask us to pray for them, and we would. And we'd get done praying. We'd put our hand on their head. And next thing you know, you look up, there's a line of people waiting for you to pray for them, for all of us. And we'd be there for an hour or so every night praying for people. 
And uh, we're just praying, God, you know, we don't even know the language. And some of the interpreters we had there, well, there weren't enough for everybody. So sometimes we just prayed for, for health. We prayed for lots of things, and especially for them to come to know Christ and that they're there and that that is what they're learning from us, which is why we were there. And uh, not to idolize us, that all the prayers that we were doing is through him and, not, and uh, that, that there is just one God. There was a crippled man there that Christian, I was talking about earlier, had prayed for. And um, he had prayed for him that evening. There was another lady who had some back problems that she prayed for. At the end of the festival, there were times where um, we had what was called New Believers meetings, and we'd go there, and the uh, interpreter was, was talking in Tamil and so forth, and later on let us know that the guy that was crippled was walking again and hadn't. And uh, we're standing there going, wow. We're kind of like, not even sure what to think exactly, but we're thinking, God is just so awesome. And uh, even the lady who had the back problems, all of a sudden she was upright, and she was like falling to her knees in front of Christian and just saying, thank you. And we're just saying, you know, thanks be to God. Um, we just saw healings going on. And I think sometimes uh, even Christians, um, including myself, sometimes when you first hear that, it's kind of like, did that really happen? Is that really true? And then, you know, we tend to lose sometimes our trust, I think. And I always pray that I say, you know, it, you know God can do anything he wants, and he just do anything he wants. And um, it just really led me to believe that, uh, um, you know, God is everywhere, and he's there for us all the time. We, um, uh, when I got back, there's so many things I thought about. I started looking in, in scripture on prayers and things. Uh, in Genesis 25, where um, Isaac actually uh, prays on behalf of his wife uh, to become pregnant, um, Rebecca, his wife, actually prays, God listens, and he does actually, Rebecca becomes pregnant. I looked in Isaiah, too, where Hezekiah became ill, and Isaiah prayed to the Lord and said, Lord, you know, I don't want him to die. And basically the Lord said that uh, we'll add 15 more years to his life. There's just so much scripture that talks about God answering prayer. And I think sometimes we, by human nature, sometimes just take things for granted. And, uh, and sometimes maybe we don't really believe that happened, but we were there and we witnessed this, and we saw it, and we do believe. And we know that God did this. Um, in Acts 12, Peter knocked out, uh, when Peter knocked at the door, he talks about uh, where he knocks at the door and the servant girl says, uh, who's there? And he says, uh, Peter's here. And the people of the house, you know, he had escaped from jail, got out of jail there, and people are saying, no, that can happen. I don't believe it. It must be, you know, an angel of Peter. It's not Peter. You know, there's even scripture that talks about how sometimes we doubt things. But, you know, it was just, it was amazing what God saw and uh, what, what we saw, what God did. And uh, we just thank you uh, for this opportunity here. And um, that's all I have. Great. <clears throat> I went too long last time, so I'm scooting out of here. <laughs> no, thank you, Mike. God responds to prayer and the big things and the little. My desire is that you bear much fruit. That we would pray that God would start to do that in our lives as well. I want to have the character of God. Lord Jesus, would you help me to be more patient? I am not. Lord Jesus, would you help me to be kind because I get angry too often? Lord Jesus, would you help me to have a gentle spirit? I want you to bear much fruit. Ask anything as my friend, and I begin to work in you, allowing God to do his work, allowing God to be all that he is in their lives, seeing people healed. That's easy for God, isn't it? Physical healing. It's the heart. It's the heart that God is working on, and that's where we wrestle with him sometimes. The scripture goes on, and the first part is 
Again, a command I give to you that you love one another. And as we love one another, again, this relationship, this bearing fruit is in relationship, is it not? It's not just for us to be changed from within. It's to go out and bear and be, again, this life of Christ. I'm being kind to someone. And so it's relationship with one another. And the next section is relationship to the world which we all live in. That we go from this place or we go from a Bible study or wherever we go from and we we go into the world, a world that oftentimes wants nothing to do with God. And he says, I want you to have relationship with that world. Christianity is never safe. If you're going to try to live Christianity and be protected and safe, then we miss all that God has for us to bear fruit in this world. Love. Love your enemies, God tells us. That's hard to do. Love those in a world who need to see Christ's love in them. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. And that is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master if they persecuted me. They will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who has sent me. God calls us, you guys, to live in this world. And sometimes, again, we try to be so protected in that. It's hard. It's hard when you've got... Everything coming against you in a world that goes, what foolishness that you live like this. Living life. Going into the world. Whatever that situation is, let's say you go out to dinner with all your business friends. Everybody is drinking heavily. That's just maybe what they do. They can't understand why you do not. But you know what? You're there. And you're just caring for them as friends. You're not diving into what they're doing, but you're in the world. And many of them might hate you for that. Might be against you, don't understand because they don't understand who God is and they don't know Him. And yet you keep offering life and friendship. I hope you don't protect yourself from those things. And don't be surprised. Do you know what I mean? Why are we surprised when all of a sudden... You know, we're with a bunch of friends and they're cussing up a storm and they're angry and they don't know God and we're surprised by that. They live in darkness. They don't know truth. They don't know life. They don't know how to have life. Why are we surprised by their lifestyle when they don't know life? But that we would show them life through the scriptures. That we wouldn't be surprised by their actions. That we wouldn't be offended by that. So many times we run away from those situations. And this team chose to enter right into this whole culture that is Hindu and lives, again, in a religion that is so, so many idols and spirits. And, and to have a different life than that is such counterculture living. But you many have chosen to do so. Zach's going to share with you a little bit about what it looks like over there. People trying to live for Christ. So shortly after... Uh we we got to India, as I mentioned before, uh, we worked a lot with translators. 
one translator that I really got to know and connected well with. His name was Victor, and he was just a normal guy in his early 30s. And um, one thing that really, actually, where we clicked off um, is, you know, I obviously he he used to be, um, or he came from a you know different religious background as as I did. Um, I didn't grow up a Christian, and so we had that in common right off the bat. But then as I got to know him more, I got to hear his story, and I got to hear about um, how he came out of uh, you know Hinduism and and with his family and and what his family thinks of him now and what he's doing, and uh, as he's you know, working as a youth pastor and discipling these these young children, you know, you think, man, what an awesome guy. But you know, his family, they hate him, they despise him. He says, you know, if he tries to go home, they they say, get out of here. They'd rather have him dead. And um, because you think of Christianity over here, and it's it's kind of like a religion, you know, it's you know what we do on the weekend or whatever. Um, but for them, Hinduism, it's not just a religion; it's their way of life. I mean, they they grow up in it. I mean, everything about their culture is intertwined, it's saturated with that. And so when you choose Christ over in India, you're, you're cutting yourself off from tradition, from your you know, native land, your family. Um, you're denying all of that. And so it's really offensive um, because you're choosing something uh, other than uh, you know, what, what is traditional. And uh, it's just amazing the cost um, that, that these uh, people are willing to take to claim Christ and do his work. One of the, the awesome things is, though, is because of, of that, because they're willing to do that, man, when they get together, <laughs> it is absolutely phenomenal because they don't have any other family. Um, it's, it's each other. And so when the church gathers, man, you're in for just a treat, man. We go to these churches, and they know how to worship. I actually did a, a, a worship seminar. I, you know, I taught the pastors for like an hour or so at this uh, pastor's conference. And uh, at the end of it, <laughs> we did some, I taught them some, of our songs, you know, on the Tom Hill, and they taught us some of theirs. And by the time I got out of there, I was like, man, they just taught me, you know, I just stood up here for an hour, and they, they taught me more than I have, you know, in this two minutes of, you know, worship time than I did in that hour. And just phenomenal people, um, just full of love and life and abundance and willing to put their life on the line <coughs> for Christ and, and for each other. Um, so just a, an amazing culture, amazing people. Mm. Amen. Thank you, Zach. We'll have you wrap after communion again. I'm no longer my own. I am bought with a price. People in India who come to know Jesus Christ fully know that. Everything is about following Christ. I'm no longer my own. I am sold out for Jesus Christ. I know that the world will hate me. I know that they oppose this. And yet I know the price that was paid through Jesus. And so we're going to take communion this morning and really take some time to to think about the price that was paid. To think about the love of Jesus poured out upon us. These guys got to go and be used of God through the power of the Holy Spirit to bring forth this message that Jesus Christ loves you. That Jesus Christ 
died on the cross for your sin. That Jesus Christ rose again, and as you believe upon him, you shall have life. That Jesus Christ is your friend. Will you have a relationship with him? That's what they offered. I hope you know that's true in your own life. We'll take time just to be still in the Lord and to reflect upon him as goodness. It's not only his death, but his resurrection. And because of his resurrection, again, the spirit pouring out. And we get to have that life in him. So let's take communion together.